Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing four weekly podcasts. Dum Dums and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse Code and Crown, as well as four event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals. Dumb Scum and Villainy, The Mythos Mysteries, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town the Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merch Merchandise today. Welcome back, my kindred, to Blood and Syrup, a Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast. I am Sylvania Dracul, your host through this world of darkness. The Coterie continued their desperate struggle to survive the ongoing massacre. Evangeline, realizing her duty, raced back to help her fellow kindred. Doris broke the compulsion controlling Val and Val managed to tear apart Esme's head, but not before Everett was driven into torpor. Where do they go from here with no enemy left alive to interrogate about the coming of Lilith? Abandon hope, all ye who listen here. Welcome back, children of the night. That's right, it's me, Tom! I've returned uh, to oh the world God. of darkness. Hello, everybody. Um, I, I'm here uh, taking over from Ryan um, to uh, run the next part of our uh, New Haven arc. Uh, so thank you all um, again for your patience on – I know this episode's a couple weeks late. So thank you for your patience. I was getting caught up uh, and learning all the wonderful things about New Haven. Uh, what's kind of neat is I'm coming at this a bit uh, like you, watching and listening, in that um, I first got to experience it as a listener and a viewer – 
uh, before learning uh, some of the stuff Ryan had planned and getting to kind of tinker around under the hood. So um, you'll have to forgive any slight continuity bumps, uh, mostly with voices. The best way to think of this is, you know, when a TV show moves to another network and they lose some of their budget and they have to recast a bunch of people. So just get like facsimiles, like the Walmart equivalent of a lot of the original actors who they can't afford anymore. That's what some of these voices are going to sound like. The Walmart version <laughs> of a character you may have heard. Um, but rest assured, their personality remains intact. Uh, they'll just be speaking in a dialect that I can do. Uh, Ryan is a master of voice work, and I am but a a, a, a humble uh, 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 hobbyist of, of voice work. Oh, um, shut up. You're great, Tom. It's oh, be thank great. you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but anyway, uh, there's one word that always gets me in the mood for such games, and that is, of course, spooky. So welcome back, everyone, uh, to New Haven. You've all had a hell of a night. Uh, you know... <laughs> If it had just been a social encounter where Everett had had to sit in a big chair and have everyone look at him, it probably would have been about as damaging to him as this entire <laughs> evening was to the rest of you. Um, but then, of course, uh, shit got real. Uh, as you, of course, know, New Haven is uh, an idea, a dream that has been balanced on the edge of a knife since its very inception. And uh, although Everett was thrust into it um, for uh, the rest of you, uh, for Evangeline, for Doris, for Val, um, you've been doing everything in your power to hold this shit together, to just try and keep this dream afloat. And things were going pretty well until the death of a sheriff and the arrival of a new one. And since then, things have gone from bad to worse. You've had feral vampires. You've had magic um, invade your town. And uh, now, of course... Uh, you've had uh, the slaughter uh, at the town hall meeting. The children of Lilith springing their trap, um, attacking you with with your your very own coterie, and uh, in in the wake of this attack, uh, absolute chaos. You're all exhausted. You're injured. You're bleeding, uh, and the council members are uh, furious, scared. Um, New Haven has never seen something like this before. The death of Cleopatra was a massive massive shock but it was a it was a way you know it was in calgary it was in a city um you've never had chaos of this nature destruction of this nature descend upon new haven proper and the realities of this little social experiment of this little dream uh have become frighteningly and deathly real so we're not going to spend too much time in the aftermath of this attack you're all exhausted some of you are missing arms um, many of you have just awoken, but, um, before we move on, uh, to the aftermath, um, where are each of you, uh, sort of emotionally, mentally in, in the, the moment after the smoke clears, after, um, you've managed to, with, with a desperate final attempt, uh, drop, uh, the orchestrator of this attack. Um, and by you, of course, I, I mean, mostly Val, but like the rest of you also hypothetically, with your, <laughs> your, your missed shots and good intentions um where are you all uh now in as as literally the smoke begins to clear and and people begin to um do that thing I, you know at the end of an action movie where everyone sort of starts to stand up amongst the rubble and like look around and someone like helps someone out from under a table and like they're mm -hmm. dusting themselves off um yeah uh where how are you all feeling um evangeline is helping no one mm -hmm. evangeline is sitting in a corner just like literally staring into nothing with like her knees pulled up to her chest because as i wrote in my in my character notes so i could remember what i was feeling 
I just wrote traumatized as fuck. So <laughs> yeah, that that's with a big about... with an underline multiple times. Yeah. Um, oh damn! Oh, if there's more than one underline, that yeah. really does uh, uh, yeah. yeah speak to the it was, severity. It was, a, it was a big deal. Mm. So um, she's not. I would say she's just in a state of shock right now, and yeah. wants to not to not be anything right now. I think I already know the answer to this, but did you ever? You've been wrestling, obviously, with the idea of being kindred and also yeah. of being uh, a police officer, which is, again, not a profession you would have chosen had you had Mm-mm. your brothers. Um, I think it's one thing to kind of conceive of these things. You've obviously seen action over the uh, the span of the last few few evenings. Um, and I know um, Val was very uh, instructive about the fact that this could happen, um, obviously training you and making sure you're ready for such things. Um, how much does the reality of this kind of really bring home what kindred society is to you? Or are you just so in shock that it's not even penetrating? Um, it's like, I, I, I think, I think the shock is honestly because it's all, it's all hitting her that her situation is real mm-hmm. now. Like it just got like way too serious. Um, I think she was in, Evangeline's been in a bit of a state of denial. Right. I think about the whole thing and kind of just day by day kind of going into work because it's like, it's just her routine is what she has to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's kept her busy and it's kept her occupied. Um, And this has just kind of made things like uh, just, she, she fucking hates the reality. Yeah, you've you've hit the point of no takesy backsies. Yeah, uh, in a in a really serious way. Yeah. Um, okay, great. So you're sort of sitting there um, again. I think as as like there's flurries of motion around you. Time is kind of slowed. Um, was there um was there a jingle um that um began your your weather uh reports back in the day? Like, did you have like intro music or anything that kind of signaled now it's time to cut to you? Um. Yeah, definitely. I think it was like, okay, you know, (laughs) you know how there's like, um, in like the breaking news kind of, there's always like a dun dun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But except add like, um, like a, like a wind chime, like bells. Yeah. Like like a happy, like like, over it. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Great. 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 Um, it's so stupid. She hated it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, (laughs) It's one of those moments where you're just so shell-shocked and all you can fucking hear is that goddamn jingle. Like, it's just one of those weird memories that, like, when your guard is down, just kind of drifts back. I know for me, it's a lot of, like, commercial jingles from when I was a kid where I'm like, why the fuck does my brain – like, I could learn to do my taxes – but instead, I'm like, ah, oh, I got to know what Alexanian's furniture warehouse is at any time. I got to be ready. Um so you find yourself just like gritting your fangs as you you hear this stupid jingle as there's just like gore and viscera and chaos around you. Um, Val. Yeah. Val would be helping pick up, helping whatever she can do. Radio in back to be like, we need support. We need people here. She would, you know, give a nod to Doris. She would, she would like check on everybody. But I think... First and foremost, she would check on Evangeline, and then also she would be the people mover to Everett, who is in Torpor. 
-hmm. So she would be taking care of that business. And uh, emotionally, she's in like a place where it felt good to strike back against the children of Lilith for what they've done. Mm -hmm. But she uh, also remembers that that lady said she has sisters. So it's like, clean this up, protect, just very get it done. Can you roll me a composure and um, I'm going to say awareness. Uh, I give you awareness or streetwise. Uh, where is awareness? Awareness and street. Okay, I'll take composure, awareness. Yep, that uh, I think makes the most and sense. And I have three hunger. She's very hungry. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. it's been, been a, a long of, night. It's been a long night. Yep. Let's see. Oof. Bad roll. One success. Perfect. Uh, so as much as you're trying to lean into your training and your your professionalism, um, mm -hmm. I think as, again, a kind of an anti-authoritarian who somehow ended up being the authority, um, much like your kind of begrudging understanding of politics, I think in situations <laughs> like this, like you can just lean on if, if everything else is on fire, I can do the job. Mm -hmm. And maybe I can do the job better than anyone else who's here. And that makes me feel good. Um, but as you go to um, kind of like roll Everett over, um, your pace slows. Uh, because obviously with the the, the death of uh, the, the previous sheriff, you, you didn't have any of that closure, right? Like the, mm -hmm. the white phosphorus is, is particularly vicious and known for just like obliterating anything so you've never had like a moment with the body so i think walking over and seeing someone who you so often conflate with uh with your father figure uh collapsed um and out it's you weren't prepared i think to be taken this far off by that but mm -hmm. the fact of it is just like it's an odd piece of closure you didn't realize you needed and it also isn't him. And also you're trying to get the job done. And of course the council is here. So there's like a lot of panicked screaming and yelling. Mm -hmm. Like uh, it will not surprise you to know that uh, Vera and Henron is just like furious, like not scared, uh, just like angry about all of this. Um, although you do note he has taken this opportunity to lose this little like stupid hat that he hates. Um, but um, yeah, I think for you, similar to this unbidden jingle, that Evangeline's dealing with just the fact that like he fucking looks like the sheriff and he's mm -hmm. out. Um, and he went down doing sheriffly things, which is also, I think something you weren't necessarily ready to attribute to Everett mm -hmm. um, is, is big. Um, so uh, based on your failed role, you have that, you have to suffer that moment of, of intrusive thoughts before uh, you, you can get to him and start moving him. But um, yeah, I think her response to having those kind of intrusive feelings is she was in that place of just get the job done we gonna do this she just stops and then punches a few holes in the wall like the it her feelings always turn into anger feelings and she just has a moment where she's just shaking enraged and 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 has to wind herself down before she can help everett got you um you turn back to to pick up everett and uh you just see um uh 1010 quarantino um, with her, her bat-like <laughs> features, just like shaking her head at you. And again, I think for, for anyone outside of New Haven, like a disapproving Nosferatu in like a slinky dress is like a really strange moment. Um, but Ten Ten just says, this place was damaged enough. We didn't need more holes. In you, okay. Okay. 
you know what? And then she just gives you like a carry on dismissive shake and uh, turns back to um, Viron, who is uh, not talking to her, is just like fully like yelling at anyone who will listen. Um, and you can tell that just like, you know, um, this is not the Elysium he's used to. And as a harpy, this is a real fucking just like kick in the pants for him as as not how these things are meant to go. Um, it's all the the rage of having to like attend this thing in the first place, magnified by a factor of clusterfuck. Um, but yes, so you you get your rage out um, on the poor uh, already damaged walls of uh, of the council hall, um, and uh, as you do, uh, Dell, uh, as Val's punching the wall, um, you hear a crack uh, above you, and a um, a large wooden slab uh, falls uh, from from the ceiling. Um, and, uh, you kind of step to one side as it, as it hits the ground, uh, in front of you and, um, uh, across it, um, you can see it's relatively new. Like, I'd love to say this thing is like an ancient, like, you know, it came over on the Mayflower. Um, but unlike the table that was set up kind of for the council to sit around, uh, this is relatively new. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was made here in town. Um, but it was the charter uh, that Cleopatra had uh, set out uh, for the town of New Haven um, that had been installed like right next to like volleyball champions, uh, 1993 huh. through 94. And then like nothing for a bit. And then like field hockey runner up 2001, like the, the school, the, the former town wasn't exactly thriving, which is part of the reason that it was easy to get the land. Um, but uh, you see, just see the words um, carved meticulously by hand forward together or dead apart. Um, and, uh, with one final punch, uh, the, the words are kind of dusted with, uh, with drywall as, uh, you move away from this stark physical reminder of, uh, you and the sheriff's department's failures here tonight, um, and, uh, off to, uh, to help Everett. Uh, Everett, you're in Torpor. Uh, it is a beautiful dreamless sleep, um, which is, uh, pretty good. Um, what was your last thought before you went down? Oh shit! Oh fuck! I don't know. Um, yeah, fair enough. That that yeah. can literally be it. Um, yeah. uh, just uh, dismay at mm. I think not uh, not being able to stop this woman before she cast her spell on me. Did this thing to me? I've never been in Torpor. I don't even know if this is like if Everett is connecting the dots of like I'm in Torpor, or if it's like oh fuck she cast a spell on me and i like i don't even know if he's thinking uh, things torpor is also kind of fucked up it, it's basically it's uh, i think ryan described it this way back when uh, evangeline was under it but it's uh, it's literally like being under anesthesia so you're just out and then okay. whenever you come back out of it you're just back which is so fucking confusing for vampires who are like staked and buried underground for four centuries uh like right. our dear sweet prince of montreal right now where literally he just woke up and was like cool so planes of abraham right and they're like oh buddy <laughs> let me let me tell you let me tell you where we're at and he's like oh balls so yeah for you there's just nothing you're just like okay. the, literally the powered off um okay then so I, th uh, I think just kind of dismay and and yeah, just like that, oh, shit, thought of before the lights go out. Totally fair. Um, <clears throat> great. So we'll loop back around to you when you're you're back up and running because we can't really, uh, you know, you, you don't get to hang on a cool mind palace or, like, see visions of, of family and friends because you're just, like, oh. on, on sleep mode. Right. Um, and then, uh, of course, we come around to Doris, um, who, uh, Doris, you, you've returned um, – uh, holding uh, your arm, I believe, is uh, yeah. 
Just off, uh, forgive me, which arm is it? <laughs> um, or did we establish that? I think I think we decided, I think Ryan had decided that it was her left arm, which is her dominant arm. Left arm, um, great. Yeah. yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah. All right. Um, so uh, obviously uh, vampire physiology is a hell of a thing, uh, largely because your body's being held together by, you know, a blood demon that lives in your blood. Um so that's cool. Um, that does mean that, you know, and particularly for a vampire as old as you are, um, this uh, this isn't so far outside the realm that you you would have no, no idea what's what. Um, that said, it is incredibly painful. Um, mm-hmm. And the effort of kind of um, your blood to, to like, it, it doesn't knit back together. It's just like, I think in a lot of ways, it's um, almost like separating magnets where it's just like it, you're you can almost feel like you're like the phantom limb thing is worse. Cause you can still feel with the, the severed arm. Like you're having a rough time with it. Um, but also uh, I'm curious, um, how would you be dealing with, um, uh, the, the stump injury right now? Because the arm is one thing, but you are like actively bleeding. And I feel like Doris, despite your eye and some of your kind of like rough prior life stuff, I don't know. How, how do you deal with injuries? Like, are, are you someone who, who is, you know, really good with it, where it's just like, ow, this, like, like, are you kind of in that, um, like, John Wick, like, I got shot in the shoulder, but uh, I'll tough it out. Mm-hmm. Or is this like, oh, fucking what? Um, no, had- I, I think it's the, I think it's the former. Um, I think it's a, it's a kind of a mix of slight shock. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, she's 400 years old and she's, you know, so she's dealt with her fair share of injuries. And I think it's like this weird mixture of shock and almost kind of like, oh, wow, I didn't know that could do that. Dum Dums and Dice would like to welcome you to the grand darkness of the 41st millennium. I am Inquisitor Caveat Ventus, keeper of the Inquisition's Black Library, and I'm releasing my report on the Valentine Heresy. It's an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40,000's Dark Heresy RPG. Join Ryan LaPlante as Inquisitor Lucius Valentine and Laura Elizabeth and Tyler Hewitt as hive-bred siblings Lyric and Alto as this unlikely trio try to save the Emperor from a cabal of mysterious enemies in a series created by games master Tom McGee. Can these unlikely heroes survive in a galaxy where there is only war? Find out in the first episode of Warhammer 40,000 The Valentine Heresy. Available now. Almost a very, a very kind of like removed. If she could get more removed, uh, I think it's like just she's just standing there, just kind of holding her arm, kind of be like, yeah, like tilting it back and forth, and almost just kind of staring at it, like it's a thing in a museum. Gotcha. Um, so I think as as everyone's doing their like wander around the disaster, you're just kind of like walking in, flipping your your hand yeah. back and forth. Um, which is great. I mean, in, in my head, this is usually like I'm trying to think of distinctly what disaster movie it was, but there's just like a random businessman like walking around kind of closely with his like suitcase open, just like completely out of it. It's usually like in the first 10 minutes of a zombie movie or at the end of Volcano, you know, when they're <laughs> all like, we're look, we all look the same. And it's like, great, we solved racism with the volcano. We did it. Um, so yeah, everyone's fairly dazed. Um but uh, you're also, from the sounds of things, actually kind of fine, all, all things considered. And of course, um, in a way that none of the rest of the coterie are, um, you are you are fascinated by power, and 
you you largely because you understand how to wield it and how to gain it and how to use it. So I think as as you know, painful as this arm situation is, and as as rough as this whole scenario was, the fact that there is power like this is pretty tantalizing, and I think kind of cool in in like a. I'm having a rough day at work, but I know when I get home, there's something cool waiting for me. Um, kind of way that is uh, that pairs nicely with your your shock uh, because it's just a nice friendly thought you can fixate on while your fingers flop back and forth um, in front of you. You're basically getting the opposite of Val and uh, Evangeline's experience in a really strange way. I feel like she has a combination of like like tears are streaming just like unrelentingly down her face, but she has a smile on her face because she's just <laughs> thinking about all of the rituals she's going to do when she gets back to her attic. Right. Okay. Amazing. So yeah, you're just weeping blood, just weeping blood, carrying your arm. Um, but like so happy, um, just cackling. Yeah. Jesus. That's it's, horrifying. Um, I hate it's it. Quite a scene. <laughs> um, holding her own arm, crying blood and laughing. God damn. Everett, I do this all for you. Thank God. I'm not conscious. Um, so you hear sirens and, uh, sure enough, um, a couple of, uh, ambulances roll up, uh, DeSanti, um, uh, medical personnel spill out of them. Uh, uh, Viren just like pushes his way through and like demands to be seen first. Um, he's fine. Uh, he suffered no wounds, but like he needs to be seen. Um, there is a, there is obviously still a lot of um, confusion. You all kind of have the benefit of being able to do what you want, largely because of the the weight of the sheriff's office. Um, and uh, it's worth noting, I think particularly, like, not all of you would be aware of this, I think, because some of you aren't that familiar with the masquerade, uh, particularly Evangeline. Like, you've never had experience with the masquerade, really. Yeah, for but sure. the fact that this event so closely mirrors an Elysium means that there is an ingrained deeply deeply held belief even the people who have rejected um the camarilla and uh, elysium and the masquerade um a lot of these uh, sort of traditions and rituals and decorum are so deeply ingrained in them they don't even realize they're they're adhering to it it's the same way a lot of like lapsed catholics will like just cross themselves by nature if if an appropriate like i don't know trigger word or whatever the hell. I don't, I don't know Catholicism, but you know what I mean? Um, whenever like the appropriate time to do it would happen. Yeah. And with it, your spirit and we all sign. The yeah. Card. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, it's literally a knee jerk and halfway through you're like, Oh wait. And, and also with you, I guess, get out of here. Um, so what's interesting is you guys actually have a little bit of freedom here that you probably shouldn't given how much, um, the sheriff's department is believed to be able to maintain the order. And, uh, honestly, like the very soul of new Haven, um, the death of uh, Cain Raziel and and others is is fucking alarming. Like this is not an okay thing, except that in an Elysium proper, the sheriff is literally the fucking like judge, jury, and executioner. So a lot of people are kind of, even though the sheriff is out, are giving you all that amount of status, even in a time where they're. they're they probably shouldn't be. And this is particularly true of the council members. Uh, most of them have come from places that were very heavily entrenched in the Camarilla, um, largely at the personal request of Cleopatra herself. So like uh, uh, Viren Henren would theoretically be like on you about this, but he's basically like, despite his fury and his, his outrage and all the mean shit he said at the council meeting still respects 
the the office uh, in a way that that's a little bit surprising. Um, so it isn't really until the medical personnel come in and um, uh, the uh, the daytime uh, sheriff's department, as many of them as can be roused, uh, roll in. Um, that the gravity of of what has occurred here really starts uh, to set in beyond you know just what's going on. Um, uh, Doris, you are immediately uh, you you are hit by the world's tiniest, most ineffectual truck as Troy runs up to you, <laughs> eyes wide, um, and uh, just like looking from the arm to you like tears the arm uh, and then just like with trembling hands, he like reaches into his pocket uh, and he pulls out a, a silk handkerchief um, and he just like holds it up to your face and the kind of offers it and says, uh, f- for, f- uh, for the blood. Is there blood? And then he just throws up, just starts like, <laughs> Just vomiting on himself, on you. He he has to like collapse to to kind of like he he like he drops kind of like hands on his knees, but his legs are trembling. Um, he's still holding up uh the 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 scarf uh the the, the handkerchief rather, but he is uh yeah he's having an appropriate human response to whatever the fuck this is. I like to think that Doris kind of just like pats him on the shoulder with her her arm that she's holding. Yeah, um, it's a gruesome sight. Uh, luckily, he is like buckled over. Um, he actually puts a hand up on your hand uh, in like you know that way that Laura Dern does in Jurassic Park to Sam Jackson's arm. Um, and uh, lucky, luckily, he doesn't. Uh, well, actually, no. Fuck it. Let's roll for that. Let's see if he, let's see if he notices. I reach for my dice here. It's it's been a while. It's been a while I since know. I've uh, rolled these these here. Ten guys. Um, <laughs> he fails to notice. He pats it and he feels better. He, oh, he clearly, like, he squeezes it. You can't feel it, but like, you can see it. And I think, honestly, Doris, based on the way you kind of like the, I would say like the very sectional way you view the world. Um, you're like, oh, that's good. I, I'm providing the appropriate amount of comfort. Like, you don't need to feel the squeeze. You see it happening, and your brain registers that yes, the comfort is being provided. Yeah. You know, and you didn't have to lean forward you did the most effective way, which was to just reach with the arm, which yes. admittedly is pretty handy, literally and figuratively, uh, something you might want to keep in future. Uh, I guess a small part of you is bummed that you won't always be able to do this. So you got to enjoy the hell out of it now. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, people begin to spill in. Um, Val, uh, would you turn Everett over to the paramedics mm-hmm. or would you try and get him out of there in a way that no one would notice he's – as far like we're gonna try and weekend at Bernie's him out of here, or are you okay with them knowing that the sheriff went down hard? Sunglasses on me and all. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and then I the think- sequel you get to try and find his gold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she she doesn't know how to help him or fix him, so I think handing him over to the hospital paramedics is like all she can do. Once he's turned over, she would be worried about Evangeline if Evangeline's still sitting in the corner, but that would Fair be enough. her next person to check on. Cool. So you basically like throw Everett into the arms of mm-hmm. uh, of, of a nurse. Um, uh, they um, like drag him over onto a stretcher. Like here's the th- like they're they're all very good at this. And you know, being one of the nice things about living in a vampire town, being funded by 
a vampire is, uh, you know, you kind of know when, when and how to deal with such things. So they immediately, um, they get everybody in. They're like shoving people out of the way. They, they like just dump council members. Uh, uh, Viren just gets shoved out of the way again. And like, again, he's having his worst day. This is not, this is not how this was supposed to be. Um, so, uh, and he, he kind of like, uh, glowers and smolders in that, uh, very like Tom Hiddleston, anytime Chris Hemsworth is doing something way, um, as, uh, as, uh, ever gets loaded into the back of the, uh, the ambulance. Um, and then, uh, yeah, uh, Val, you start to make your way over to Evangeline, um, when, uh, you just hear, uh, Barty, uh, yell, oh, oh, holy shit. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you watch as, uh, like a, a, a bottle of Nestea just drops, uh, from his hand and it bounces because it's a plastic bottle. No one sells glass anymore. And kind of like bounces a couple times and rolls away. Um, he, uh, he clearly, uh, he was like halfway to getting like ready for, for the day. So he's got like half shaved, like half his shaving cream and half isn't, um, his shirt's buttoned at the wrong angle. Um, you can tell he just kind of like clipped uh clipped his uh badge onto the shirt like he didn't really bother fully getting ready uh he's definitely got the belt on um but he's, he's in um like boxers um with uh with calvin and Hobbes on them uh improbably <laughs> um but still he's got his boots on he's got his holster like he clearly got to a point where he's like if they die because i was trying to put my pants on it's, oh, it's gonna be birdie. bad um but he's standing over uh, the remains of of kane um, and he just kind of says, oh, oh, wow. All right. So, um, so the, the Bruja leader's dead, huh? Is that, is anyone, what? Yeah, it's a fucking shit show, Barty. Oh, fuck. Okay. All right. Yeah. And he just kind of like, just does that classic like finger spin thing, which means nothing really to anyone, but immediately <laughs> like a couple of the other uh, day deputies like rush in and like throw um, like, you know, throw a tarp over, over the body. Um, but uh, uh, Val looking around, you can see uh, it's almost like a shockwave goes through the room as the people who weren't present for the attack really take in the fact that a clan leader got murdered mm-hmm. uh, and murdered here. Um some of the paramedics stop in their tracks. Um, and uh, as the only one who's actively paying attention to the world right now, um, you see uh, a number of kind of like harsh looks um, your way. Uh, you see some, some whispering um, Everett's already been loaded, but like there's just, it, it, it's almost like the, 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 if the room was running at full speed, it's dropped to about half speed. As, as people really take that in. Um, but uh, nevertheless, uh, too much has occurred here for really much else to be said. Paramedics are grabbing people, pulling them into ambulances. Um, cops are, are swarming around uh, trying to get to people. Um, you uh, you make way over to Evangeline. Um, and uh, what do you do? Uh, if Evangeline's probably not responsive, but I think Val would kneel down next to her and put her hand out to Evangeline like slowly and put her hand on Evangeline's shoulder like more gentle than you could ever expect from Val and just say, good to have you back, Clark. Uh, Evangeline is like 
I think it's almost just like pure instinct when Mm. she feels like that gentle hand on her shoulder. She literally just like reaches up like really fast and like grabs Mm -hmm. your upper arm Mm -hmm. and just like looks in your eyes and and just says like why couldn't I just die? And with Val's hand on on your shoulder, Evangeline, you staring up at her for an answer that she surely doesn't have. Uh, Troy doubled over with a hand on his shoulder attached to an arm, attached to a hand, attached to an arm, attached to Doris. um, And with uh, blood being um, uh, immediately um, pierced and poured into the mouth of of Everett Fry. the attack from the children of Lilith is finally over. All of you uh, spend a moment, a quiet moment, amidst the chaos, um, the rubble, with uh, Evangeline's unanswered question kind of lingering in the air. And the reality has yet to set in that after all you've been through, tomorrow will be yet another night in New Haven. And for all of you, there are a lot of people who are going to need some answers. This episode of Blood and Syrup features the voices of Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Claire Blackwood at Claire Blackwood on Twitter, Del Borvik at Deltastic on Twitter, Laurie Elizabeth at E.L. Hamstring on Twitter, and storyteller Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and our show log was created by Decapitated Markers, at Decapitated Marker on Twitter, that's M-R-K-R. Our theme songs are What's Really Going On Right Now by Chase Allen Willis, and Traffic by Kai Engel, and our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. All of their music is available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com, our Twitter and Instagram at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We also have merchandise available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Sleep well, my kindred. Sleep well in this world of darkness. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, the half-blind prophet. Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby. One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield. Lord Abradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Cade Peters, Richard Cranium, Anna Zed, Eric Williams, Logan, Fire Unfriendly, Acrix, Cameron Ezel, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, and Jill and Noel LaPlante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.